Good morning, uh, bright and early this morning. I had it on my heart to share a podcast, so I have morning voice because I'm still having my first coffee this morning. Um, So bear with me as I croak this one out to you. Uh, Today's podcast means a lot to me. It is on remaining teachable. And it's something that I think that is key to success in life. I think uh, as we get older, we become sometimes more set and more stubborn in our ways. Maybe think we know it all. Maybe think we think we have all the answers. But I think that the best kind of growth and the most growth happens when you start to become curious about maybe not having all the answers. And I think that those people are the ones that really start to thrive in their later years um, because they start listening more, maybe, and talking less and are willing to try new things and new experiences. So I'm going to talk about a new experience that happened for me last night. Uh, I'm going to tell you a short little story. Um, and it's about fitness. It's about my fitness journey and my journey to health and wellness. Um, so as some of you know, I am a 48-year-old, formerly very obese woman. Uh, I have lost over 165 pounds, and I'm still losing. And I have done that through a whole foods, plant-based diet, and lots of physical activity. And over the course of the years that I've been losing this weight, and it has been years because I am a tortoise, slow and steady wins the race. Um, I've taken all kinds of classes and tried all kinds of things that I never, ever thought that I would try before. Uh, I'm a regular runner now, something that I'm really into. Um, Some people call me a jogger, (laughs) but I will always say if I'm running so hard that my heart is pounding uh, like that, that, that definitely means I'm a runner. And I something that I never thought I could do. I recently ran my first um, 13 and a half miles, the longest run I've ever run so far. And uh, never, never in a million years did I think I could do that. Uh, I've taken cycling classes. I have taken uh, uh, water aerobics classics. I've taken Zumba classes. I've taken uh, classes that are, um, they're called group power classes or MOSA classes. Uh, very similar to body pump classes. I've taken uh, precision strength classes, which are similar to CrossFit. I've taken all kinds of classes. Uh, But I had this one fear and been kind of unwilling to, to do much of anything about it. Um, So a friend of a friend of mine, a very close mentor of mine uh, said, I am challenging you and I'm going to, I'm going to pay for your registration and take you to your first actual half marathon race. Because I was quite content and happy to just run on the streets by myself. I'm an introvert, actually, by nature. And I was like, I'm doing this for me anyways. I don't really need to be in an actual race. But a lot of that was just fear of people, fear of judgment, fear of coming in last, fear of all kinds of things. And I know that it's every time I move past one of these fears there there is less fear in my life overall. So overcoming fear in a race can lead to overcoming fear in other areas of my life. But that's not what the story is about. 
This story is about he told me over the winter months um, to start doing some different types of cross training. Uh, the the race that he wants to, me to do is in, I believe, April or May, somewhere around then. And I have severe arthritis in my body that I choose to treat um, homeopathically. And he, for me to run outside in the ice and snow is just a really silly, stupid idea. I could definitely never run again if I took a hard enough fall. So I will be taking my runs short and sweet indoors and working on bringing my time down. Uh, I can't I can't run for 13 miles on a treadmill. I mean, I physically probably could run for 13 miles on a treadmill, but I think I'd want to shoot myself in the head after uh, about probably seven, eight miles. So my runs will now be working on improving my time. And he said, one way I could do that is to begin cross training. And I said, so what do you want me to do? And his response was, uh, rowing is great. That's a great way to do it. Um, indoor cycling, spinning classes, that kind of thing. And as we're talking about those things, I'm like, yep, check them off my list. Yep, that's easy. I can do that. No problem. I love cycling. I love rowing. I can do all of that. Continue uh, lifting weights, uh, light, many reps. Yep, I can do all that. I love all that. Uh, continue, you know, obviously continue on with my yoga and, and do short runs um, and intermittent style hit runs where I'll, you know, on for a quarter, run really fast, and then go to a walk, then a quarter mile really, really fast, and then off, yeah, do a walk. All of this I'm agreeing with. All of this I'm like, yep, that sounds great. And then he's like, and I want you to get in the pool and start swimming. And that's when I do kind of a pause. Now, don't get me wrong, I love the water. I absolutely love to float around in the water and play around in the water and soak in the water and do pretty much nothing else in the water. Um, I took swimming classes when I was a little girl and I actually developed, I think, a phobia in regards to real swimming. So I took swimming at the YMCA in the 70s and I... They, they had cute little names for the classes, and I was a polywog one, which is the very, very most basic class. I am 48 years old, and I am still a polywog one. I never advanced beyond that class, um, and it was twofold. There were two things you had to do to advance from that class, and I refused to do either one. One was you had to be willing to jump from the deep end into the water. And obviously you're not alone. You're surrounded by swim instructors and lifeguard and all of that stuff. But I was convinced if I jumped into the water from the deep end, I was not coming back up. And I also heard horror stories at a, at a, at a camp that I went to when I was a kid um, about the filter system in the pool. And if you jumped in the deep end, you would get sucked into the filter system and goblins would eat you. So I was not jumping in. There was no way I was going to jump in. Um, and the other thing you had to do was you had to be willing to put your face in the water. You had to eventually learn what they used to term. I don't know if they still term it as it, but rotary breathing. And the very beginnings of that for a polywog one is putting your face in the water. And I had and still have such an enormous phobia 
about that. Like sensations of I'm just going to stop breathing. I'm going to choke to death on the water. The whole thing. And um, so when my friend suggested that I start swimming, he wasn't talking like light swimming, floating, you know, leisurely swimming. He wants me to increase my VO2 max. So the, the, um, the efficiency of my breathing basically is what that is. And so I can run a quicker mile, a, a harder mile and build endurance and all that good stuff for the run. And swimming is one of the best ways you can do that. So I'm like, huh, well, I can do the rowing and I can do the cycling and I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to play around with this whole swimming thing. So last week I started swimming and I ended up, you know, doing 500 meters and really surprising myself in. And it is, it's a different whole beast than any of those other physical activities that I talked about. It's a different kind of breathing. It's, it's all encompassing and it literally is different muscle groups that I'm not used to uh, using quite so much. It, I mean, it's your legs, it's your glutes, it's your core, definitely. It's all of those things. But it's also like a lot of your deltoids, your shoulders, your back muscles, stuff that I'm not u- used to accessing quite in that way. But I was swimming with my head straight up because I was terrified to put my face in the water. And it was starting to really, really hurt my neck. And so my son is a former swim instructor. And, you know, he's 21. And I've talked about him before. He lost his leg to bone cancer. And he still is an incredible swimmer. And I humbled myself. And I looked at him. And he used to teach everything from babies all the way up to, like, age 13, 14-year-olds. I looked at him and I said, Brian, I need you to teach me how to swim. And it was a humbling moment for me and a terrifying moment for me because he knew what I meant. I needed to learn how to put my face in the water. And so his suggestion was, why don't you go ahead and do your 500 meters? This was last night. And he's like, so there's two pools at the Y that we've been going to. There's the the big pool for laps, and then there's this small little kind of waiting pool that is a little bit warmer temperature, and it's very pleasant. And he said, why don't you go ahead and just do your 500 meters, because I don't, I, I don't want to take away from your goal of the night of doing your 500 meters. And then why don't we go over to the shallow end, and we'll work on it. So I'm like, Okay. I did my 500 meters and my neck was killing me because it was stretched up out of the water again. And the whole time we're doing it, I'm not even thinking about what I'm doing. I'm thinking about, oh, crap, what have I agreed to when this is done? I have to go face a huge fear of mine. And it might not sound like a big deal to some of you, but we've all got these, you know, what appear to other people as irrational fears. And one of mine was drowning (laughs) and choking to death on the water, having it literally, you know, drown from water going through my nose and in my mouth and down my lungs. It's just, it's a really, really real fear for me. But I knew in order to be a more efficient, better swimmer, which is going to make me be a more efficient, better runner, which is going to make me be able to run a race and face another fear, I had to get over this fear. And, and 
So this is the time in my life where I'm becoming willing to walk through the fears and go to the other side. So I finished my 500 meters and very slowly and reluctantly get out of the one lap pool to go into the other pool. And we get there and, you know, I'm embarrassed because there's other people in the room. The lifeguard's totally watching us. And Brian starts teaching me as if he would teach a very, I mean, respectfully, but what he would teach, you know, the five or six-year-olds that he used to do classes with. So he's teaching me how to put just my mouth in the water and blow bubbles just learn to blow bubbles in the water. And I'm feeling like a complete idiot, but I'm doing it. And then he teaches me how to blow bubbles in the water and um, start swimming um, one, two, three strokes with blowing bubbles, then turn my head and breathe. So I start doing that. And it's so funny because he's like, when I first started doing it, he said, "Um, Mom, you know, it helps when you kick your legs too (laughs) when you're swimming. Because it was a lot for my mind to take in. I was using my arms and I'm counting one, two, three, turn my head and, and take air in. But I couldn't figure out how to maneuver my legs at the same time. Just felt like way too much information. And then eventually we get my nose in a little bit in the water and I begin having success actually kicking my legs. And trust me, we didn't get very far with this this lesson and we kept it short. It was only about a 15 minute lesson. And I, I, I would love to tell you I now can swim successfully with my face in the water. But the truth is it's going to take time because it was a real phobia Every now and then I had to stop and like breathe and stand up and catch my breath and calm my heart rate down and realize I wasn't going to die. And at one point when my nose was in the water, water did start going down my nose and I could feel it going down my, my, my neck and I started like coughing a little bit and I got really freaked out and he was so patient and he was so good. Um, but I didn't die. I didn't die from the experience. And I could tell even in that moment that once I begin swimming correctly, you know, I will be able to swim faster. There won't be that neck pain anymore. I'll still have shoulder soreness and back soreness just from using those muscles. But I won't have the the pain, the unnatural pain that I shouldn't be experiencing while swimming. And so the long drawn out lesson of the story is I'm starting to know that facing one fear in our life leads to tackling so many other fears. Overcoming one fear grows your confidence that you can accomplish something else. And so I just want to tell you, if you have a dream, if you have a goal, even if there's fears behind it, try to push through and try to try to surround yourself with people that will help you to push through and genuinely support you on your journey to overcoming your fears and remain teachable because I think some of the greatest lessons are learned through facing fears and doing things you never dreamed imaginable. That's all I've got this morning. Peace and love to you. And, uh, I'd love to hear about some of the the fears and things you've overcome in your life as well. Goodbye for now.